1: we have a very special episode today. This is our eighth hundredth podcast episode. It's been a hell of a journey to get here. Over the past six, seven years, Rob has interviewed some absolute brilliant people. We've had some brilliant guests on the show, had some brilliant debates, sometimes it gets heated. We've had many crazy stories. So to celebrate this special podcast episode, we wanted to get one of our best guests back to have a debate, a conversation, and a Q&A with you, the fans. So today on the show, we have the infamous, the one, the only, the legend, Barry Hearn. So Barry has been on the show a few times. If you haven't, you can go back and listen to that episode, obviously, after hearing this one. Rob hired an event room in London with some podcast fans, and we did a live Q&A with the legend Barry Hearn. One final thing from me, producer Harry, just before we get into today's podcast. I just want to say thank you to all the listeners who have been with us, uh, whether you're new new to our journey or you've been with us since day one. On behalf of Rob and the rest of the team, thank you very much. So we've had some brilliant guests on the show and had some crazy stories. So whether you started listening to this podcast from our interviews with Jordan Peterson, Katie Hopkins, David Icke, Grant Cardone, to the fake Escobar, finding out about that debacle, or David Goggins, John Fury, Ronnie O'Sullivan, Ali Ollerton, Floyd Mayweather, all the billionaires and entrepreneurs and investors we've had on the show. There's been some brilliant content on here, some brilliant debates, and I hope that it's given value to your life and you've managed to learn something or implement something that has improved your life or taken away with something that ultimately gives you, the listeners, value, fun, and entertainment. So let's just get straight into this one with the legend Barry Hearn. But remember this, if you don't risk anything, you risk everything.
0: Barry Hearn is the biggest sports promoter in the world. And there's a lot of big sports promoters in the world. Barry Hearn promotes 11 sports to an audience of billions of people. Which is amazing and unbelievable. But I've got to know Barry. Um, I've interviewed him twice on my podcast. Uh, he was kind and we had a, a lunch together a few months back. And I have never met any, anyone who is so shrewd and sharp in business, but does it with a smile and having such fun. Like I imagine negotiating with Barry and I'd lose everything and I'd be laughing and loving it. Uh, <laughs> I've never met anyone who's so good at business and having so much fun doing it. I want to leave the rest For the surprise, but please could you all stand up? Please stand up and welcome to the stage, Mr. Barry Hearn.
2: (laughs) The big (laughs) build-up. It's all downhill from here. (laughs) Well, I've listened to some of it. Some of it makes sense, so I hope you've all been taking notes and you all end up a wiser and a wealthier person. But then you need to establish what is real wealth. And this is the reflective part of getting old, because I was vicious when I was young. And as the years pass, you get less and less vicious and you get actually a much better person. So there are three stages in everyone's life. So I've told Mr Moore many times, First is the selfish stage where you look after yourself and you try and create something. Second is when you become a slightly better person, you become more family-orientated. The third stage is you become community-orientated from where you are and you pay back. This comes in different categories throughout your life. And I hope this is the first plug for this wonderful book that I'm basically here to promote, only because my son sold so many copies of his book I'm desperate to try and beat him (laughs) and I have no chance whatsoever because he has two million followers on social media and I have 107,000 it's not a fair fight (laughs) but we are with uh, some great publishers and I am doing my best as I turned up the other day at Hodder's office and they said we need you to sign a few books Barry so that's what I'm here for I am prostituting myself to the world. <laughs> and I opened the door and there was 2,000 copies to be signed. It took me from half-past 10 to half-past six. At half-past six, I didn't know how to spell herd <laughs> But the key issue for this, where I look in my own, and it's very important in life that we understand ourselves you know, this guy will tell you about marketing and about how you understand your opposition, the laws of supply and demand. I specialise in in understanding myself because that's a complex subject to come to terms with. Who am I? What do I really want? And there's a couple of little things we'll share with you which are contained, but firstly, I use a mirror. I use a mirror to talk to myself. I know it sounds perverse. But when I was younger, I was a good-looking son of a bitch. I used to enjoy looking in the mirror. <laughs> I don't really enjoy it quite so much these days. There are a couple of wrinkles. I've, you know, I've had a bit of cosmetic, as you've obviously noticed. I'm 74. I can still kickstart jumbos. <laughs> but what I use the mirror for is talking to myself because I'm the only person I can 100% guarantee will tell me the truth. So as you get older, you become cynical. You don't believe people. They're all after you for a reason. In this book, there are ten commandments. It's very similar to what Moses came down with the mountain. Just that these ten commandments will make you money, and Moses' ten commandments made you a better person. Money and better person sometimes don't go hand in hand. But one of the tenth commandment is really strange. When you need a helping hand, you will inevitably, men only, get kicked in the nuts. When you don't need anything at all. You will have a queue of people wanting to give you things. It's one of the bizarre facts of life. Isn't it funny? People give me things all the time. What do they give me things for? I can afford to buy anything I want. But when I was young and started up and I really needed that helping hand, nothing. And that's part of the one beautiful part of life where you start to establish where you're coming from. Now, the mirror is to look into on occasions and please try this. You all feel a bit stupid the first time you do it, so I would recommend you do it in a room on your own. Your wife, your girlfriend, your partner, whatever, will think you've cracked up. (laughs) But you literally sit opposite a mirror and you say, how was the day for you? And the guy goes, it was a good day. I closed this deal. I made some money. What a bit. And once you get used to it, you will enter into a real dialogue with yourself doesn't take more than 10 minutes, you're not going to spend hours, because you are talking to yourself, you know, and people think you're cracked. <laughs> but you get the truth. And that is a commodity that is increasing in our society, becoming rarer and rarer. Sorry to be so cynical.
0: Oh, no, no, this is your show. <laughs> I'm sitting here thinking, I don't know if I'm in the right
2: place. Have I got a job to do? <laughs>
0: Barry, would you say you're one of the la- the last old-school entrepreneurs?
2: I think I'm feeling a bit like that. And, you know, I'm in a company that started off 40 years ago. And it was formed to have some fun. I'd made quite a lot of money. I was 34. I was going to retire. But, you know, there was only so much fishing and golf and cricket you could do in a day. And after about six weeks, I was climbing up walls. I needed to do deals. I needed to get the blood going. Um, and since that time, we you know we've built what we started on. is a billiard in Romford with one girl and a part-time bookkeeper. Today, we are the, probably the largest sports promotion company in the world. We have offices all over the world, and we still have we still have a load of fun. But the old school is not the same as today's world. You know, new school operates a bit more like you. You know, have you got socks on? By the way, yes. Okay, that's a that's a negative. Now, uh. <laughs> I. Apparently I employed a new commercial director, a comms director whatever that is. I have no idea what a communications director is, but apparently they talk to people on your behalf. He's very, uh, he's very impressive. He had no socks on and that's when I suddenly realized, I think I'm getting old. <laughs> my socks go right up my leg. Now that's really old. <laughs> and, and I get dressed in the morning, my wife goes, oh, honestly, those socks. It's a bit like your mum. Do you remember some of you, you're old, same as me. So you'll know, your mum always made sure you had new underwear on in case you got run over by a bus. <laughs> it's a bit like that with socks. You, know, you can't go out, and you might die. You look ridiculous in those socks. Let me tell you, if I die, I don't give a shit what socks I've got. <laughs> <laughs> but if I want to be a new school entrepreneur, I better change my socks. So that's my message for today. It's all about not wearing socks. So I am old school, I believe in profitability, I believe in sustainability above profitability, because the two are interconnected. And I don't believe in, as you get older, I really believe in telling the truth. And you really mustn't give a shit. You know, you've know, got to be true to yourself. And, and independence is something that sometimes we don't have. I mean, we've all told little white porkies to get a job done or to get a deal. I remember I was in the fashion business and we had these obnoxious Americans come over and they wanted to buy four of our designs. Another story, another life, 1973. And the chairman of the company said, how much should we charge them? And I was the bright young chartered accountant, super, super smart with numbers. $20,000, not a lot, it's only four designs, double knit, double jersey, shit fabric, usual stuff. And these guys sat down and this chairman gave this wonderful speech about these four designs and he said it's two hundred thousand dollars and i thought he'd misheard me and the guys went we'll love it and the chairman said and it has to be a three-year deal and the guy said well we're not going anywhere else we're signing this deal now and they left and i said to the chairman did you misunderstand me i said i told you twenty thousand you charge them two hundred he said, Barry, you've sat in the meeting, weren't they obnoxious? I <laughs> said, they were. They were loud and horrible and all the things we don't like about Americans. He said, they want to deal with us and naught goes on. <laughs> and you know what? I've used that a few times. And you always feel great because you can't lose, can you? It's old school entrepreneurship. So you don't do the deal. So I don't have to deal with obnoxious people, so you do do the deal for that type of money. I'll deal with anybody
0: (laughs) (laughs) You're right there Julie (laughs) Um, Barry's got a new book out and when I went to see Barry um I think the second time you were on my Disruptors podcast, um, I said I'd love to help you promote the book. And that was when I found out from Barry that a bit of competition between Barry and Eddie. So, Harry, can you put the link for the book on the live streams right now? Um if it's okay with you, because Barry will probably have to go and catch a train and you might need to be somewhere. Um, I'd I'd like you to get your phone out. If you could do that now, get your phone out and make a purchase of Barry's book right now. Um, I'm doing it.
2: So will I Oh, no, I've already got one.
0: <laughs> so if you go on, uh, I'll give you the links. Or you can just go on Amazon and ty- type in Barry Hearn. If you want a... Um... Have you found it? Just show me your hand if you found it. No, still looking. Okay. This is not a very short URL robmoreevents forward slash Barry is the link if you need a link. Um, So if you buy one copy, then you're a generous person. But if you buy five copies, I'm going to donate £50 for every five copy purchase to Pete Cohen's GoFundMe. So I don't know if you know this about Pete Cohen. He's given me permission to say this now. But his wife has a huge tumour in her brain and she's lost the whole left side of her body now and it's really fucking looking bad for her and I just went live on Facebook this afternoon and just said to the world, help Pete out, he's a friend, his wife is a a big fan of my work and they need a quarter of a million pounds for, you know, life-saving operation. So every one of you that buys five copies, I will donate 50 pounds for Pete's wife's um, operation. So we can make a bit of a difference together. Um, Just show the guys at the back of the room your five copy purchase. Also, Barry, we nicked 50 of those 2000 books. <laughs> Actually, we paid for them um, that Barry signed. So you can also take a signed copy of Barry's book. Please do it now, but i.e., now, and then show the guys before you leave. You get signed copies of, of Barry's book, which is valuable. And I will donate 50 pounds for everyone that buys five. The reason five is I've done a bit of hacking on Amazon. And if you buy five, it doesn't really trigger. Oh, someone's trying to game the system on the rankings. I could say go and buy fifty of Barry's book, but it it won't really help with Barry's sales or rankings. So five's about the optimum number. I know because I've got lots of books to number one. So buy one copy because you want it for you. Buy five, you get a signed copy of Barry's book, and also I'm going to donate fifty pounds um, for every one of you. Now there's quite a lot of people on the live as well, so this Mm. could cost me quite a few grand. I don't care. I want to help. Um, I I did try and think of a bribe um, to give you for five books. Um, So um, Callum's come up with a couple of suggestions. A half day business negotiation training day with myself and Mark Homer. A half day empire business building training day with myself and Mark Homer. Notice they like to pimp myself and Mark Homer out. Um, I'm, I'm cool with doing One or both of those if you get five copies of Barry's book. Sorry? You got today for free? You did? Yeah. Oh, you don't need a bribe. Doesn't everyone need a bit of a bribe, though, Barry?
2: To be honest with you, you know, getting things for free sometimes isn't worth anything. But, of course, in this case, it's like, what can I say? You know, I'm 74 in June. I'm not going to be around forever. So I'm trying to leave something in your mind That leaves a lasting impression. That's the plan. Okay. Oh, thank you. I think that's the sweetest thing you've ever said, and uh, I appreciate that. That's lovely. (laughs) Said in an Irish brogue, always seems to sound (laughs) even more musical. (laughs) It's extra special. Um, Listen, I'm on on your podcast. I mean, at the end of the day, I'm I'm at the stage where I'm actually. I can't find too many other people to listen to me anymore. (laughs) So I said to the big guy over there, just lock the fucking door. (laughs) Once I start talking, don't let anyone out. So of course, I'm trying, I'm not very good. I found something I'm really not good at, and that is retiring. I promised everyone, my wife and I, I I've been married for 52 years to the same woman. I'm a sort of basic boring bloke. I really don't have a massive social life. I love my job. I love, I'm a bit of a geek. I analyse everything by hand. So every single tournament that played in darts or snooker or pool, I adjust the world rankings by hand as the results come in. I mean, this is sad. <laughs> it takes all day, you know. And people look at you and go, you're a sad bastard. And I go, it's my life. So talking about sport, talking about life, talking about the lessons that I've learned and the mistakes I've made as well, because I think you learn... As much from listening to people's mistakes as you do from listening to the clever stuff. Most of the clever stuff comes later because you've made so many mistakes early on. So always happy to be there. You know, I'm honoured and honoured an to be invited, sir. Pleasure. tell us in one, well, maybe three sentences. Thank you. Can you tell us one to three sentences? The biggest thing you could tell us is that might move our lives forward. Oh, dear. Why don't we have easy questions? (laughs) I mean, the first problem is one to three sentences. You must know by now, I don't do one to three sentences. (laughs) I do paragraphs, endless paragraphs sometimes. What have I learned in life that makes a difference? People ask me, I, I can't do one to three sentences, but to give you an illustration, people ask me how do I improve productivity all the time, you know, We've, we've, we started with a little tiny business that was just formed to have fun and it ended up by well, somehow or the other, a mixture of flukes and outrageous luck. We ended up huge business. Can't quite believe it. Uh, and by the looks of it, it's getting huger and huger. Pre-tax profits will double this year as opposed to last year in COVID. And when COVID hit us, we only went down 20 to 25% anyway, because we got creative and we did different types of, you know, we thought outside the box. There's a, the secret of increasing productivity is very simple. Start an hour early and finish an hour later. It's not rocket science, is it? <laughs> so all these so-called smart people, we're all quite smart in different ways. Everyone in this world's got a different, well, most people have got a different DNA. Everyone is brilliant at something. The sadness is most of those people don't find out what it is because they don't have opportunity, they don't have time, or they don't have that entrepreneurial risk that says, I'm going to try something. So my line is to you for your three sentences is, believe in yourself. If you don't, how can you honestly expect anyone else to believe in you? And by the way, that has to be blind belief as well. When you talk to the mirror, you tell the truth. When you talk to the world, you tell them what they want to hear. (laughs) Deep shit.
0: So make sure you get on Amazon, get your one or five copies before Barry leaves. You can grab a copy, signed copy of his new book. Once you um, just show them your five copies. If you are watching on the live and you get five copies, email your receipt to rob at robmore.com. If you're watching a recording, email rob at robmore.com for your five copy bonus I will do one of these trainings because Callum came up with the idea. I actually haven't done an empire building course or a negotiation course, so I'll do that for you. Um, I've got some questions. Oh. Yeah. He wanted to say thank you because you have brought so much entertainment into so many of our lives. You know, thinking all the way back for the Steve Davis, all of the boxing, what you've done in golf with darts. You know, honestly, you've mm. brought so
2: much entertainment into people's world, mm. and I'm really grateful to you. And I want to say that, excuse me, publicly, because I love to watch sport. Well, listen, that's, that's ever the so kind of you, and I'm going to take the plaudits because, you know, but I have to selfishly tell you the truth, is everything I've done, I've done for myself. <laughs> 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 so I don't really give a shit about you lot. <laughs> But that's, there, therein lies the success. You see, because of, we're all governed by our background and by our early, early influences, mum and dad's usually, or uncles yeah. and aunts. But They have a massive, you find out during your life how big an influence they have. You might not know it at the time. And when I came for, I came with a terrible chip on my shoulder. My dad was a bus driver, and my mum was a child lady. We lived on council estate in Dagenham. We had no money. Dad died when he was 40 something. That was it. We was in the shit most of the time. But we didn't know it because we didn't know anything else. Kids are not unhappy. They get used to the environment they grow up in. It's only later on they look at the big houses and say, why haven't we got a tree in our garden? Well, why haven't we got a garden? Well, you know, we've got a toilet in our garden. That's not quite the same. So you learn as you go through on that. And I grew up in an era, in a time when there were lots of restrictions for people from where we came from. You know, I, my mum told me to be a chartered accountant when I was 12. I didn't know why. I didn't know what I did. She just said to me, the man I worked for said, you never see a poor one. And that phrase stuck with me because I didn't want to be poor. You know, I'm 12 years old. I see people with houses and cars. Chartered? I'm going to be chartered accountant. Never knew what they did. Join. Somehow or the other, I got lucky enough to be, to get articles. Six quid a week. And, but I was lucky because where I came from, you didn't get that chance. Cooper Brothers in town at that time, one of the big firms of accountants, it was obligatory to wear a bowler hat. Obligatory. What did I do? I wore a white suit every now and again. Can you imagine this? Thompson McClintock, which became part of KPMG, I became their youngest audit manager. The partner brought me into his office and said, Congratulations, you're the youngest audit manager in the 200 year history of this company's firm. I was smart. I'm his I'm smart anyway, but I was super smart. Couldn't afford to fail the exam, so I never went out. I didn't have a life between 18 and 21. My mum locked me in my bedroom five nights a week. I memorised every single page. It was like a rabbit. I couldn't fail. It was impossible to fail, impossible to fail. But the partner pulled me in and said, however, you do realise this is as far as you go. I was 23, I said, what do, you, what do you mean this is as far as I go? He said, well, where you come from, you didn't go to university, your parents had no money, there's no old school type, you're gonna be very well looked after, you're gonna have a great pension, I'm 23. Go fuck yourself. <laughs> <laughs> you know, so I, know, but I started every now and again wearing, this is sounds silly, wearing this crazy white suit. I mean, everyone else was pinstripe and fizzy. And I remember getting in the lift in Finsbury Park and Alan McClintock, the senior partner, got in this lift, he was about six foot eight and he had these half rim glasses. And I looked like John Travolta on a bad day. And he got in the lift and he went, do you work for us? And I went, yes, Mr McClintock, I'm in Secretary of Investment and Personal Services Department. Good Lord, <laughs> never said another word, but he remembered me. So this is part of it about the self-promotion that we all need. How do we stand out from the crowd? We're all good. We're all good on our days. Sometimes we're better than others. Some of us have got an outgoing personality, not shy and reclusive like me. But, you know, <laughs> how do we stand out? And, and I chose to go to the flash room. You know, it got me noticed. But, you know, as I say, I grew up with chips on my shoulder because I never heard the whistle in any football match against a public school. Because the moment someone said, jolly good shot, old boy, I just lamp them. Because <laughs> I had this thing about they were better than me. You know, I got over it after a while, therapy helped. <laughs> and, and now I treat almost everyone as nearly my equal. <laughs> <laughs> Now listen, we got, we got about 15 minutes. minutes, so questions rather than me just rambling on. And we'll do quick as many as we can, eh? Is that fair? Let's do it. I mean, Rob, I know, you know, this is your show. That's all right. I've just <laughs> taken over. <laughs> Hi, Barry. Go on, Go on quick, uh, Yeah, so... Um, uh, no, no, no. He's got behind you the mic. You with the mic and <laughs> you're in the queue. You're in the queue. Um, in all your time, thousands and thousands of sports uh, people you've worked with, who and for what reason would you, was the most talented you come across, but also who would you say, as this is more of a, a mindset of money in a business event, who would you say was the, uh, if you like, the best business person, the best entrepreneurial sports person you worked with? So talent and then entrepreneurial. Well, it's a little bit added I'll get involved with snooker, you see. Uh, so the phone went one day and KPMG said, are you still, I got headhunted to head up an investment company uh, when I was 25. And I left the practice and uh, And I lost a fortune on a property company because I didn't know what I was doing. I started two massive fashion labels around the world. Lost a fortune, didn't know what I was doing. And then out of the blue, someone said, we've got a chain of snooker hauls here that someone wanted to sell Are you interested. So how did I get in snooker? Is because someone from my accountants recommended it. But now you come on to... The effect of that, of course, you need luck. You know, I don't care for shit how smart you are. You know, <laughs> you're in the wrong place at the wrong time. You can be as smart as you like. You've got no chance. You do need that little bit of luck. And during my lifetime, God has smiled on me several times uh, and given me, a, and, and one of the first things was Steve Davis walking into my life in the Snookalls in 1975 and this tall ginger kid walked in with long hair and uh, his arse hanging out of his trousers and he just happened to be the best nuke player in the world, and he became my best friend. And nearly 50 years later, he's now a disc jockey. Uh, He does Glastonbury with electro-funk music, which I think sounds like strangling a cat. Um, (laughs) (laughs) But but he's done Glastonbury four times, and he's happy. And he's still my best mate, which is the greatest compliment. Different people have got different strengths. There's no one person that comes out and goes, he was a genius. Uh, One of the guys I'm really enjoying working with at the moment is Anthony Joshua because he's got a brain and he wants to be a billionaire. So, it's quite straightforward. How do I become a billionaire? Well, I told him, it's dead easy, don't get beat, and he's been beat twice. <laughs> Some people don't listen, do they? <laughs> <laughs> so, but he's, he's very smart, very street, he's gonna be great ambassador for this country. Steve Davis has been the greatest ambassador, in my view, this country's ever produced, sporting ambassador. He could be with the Queen Mother, he could be with the Docker, he's exactly the same. I've taken him all around the world. We've created a global circuit of snooker from China to Brazil, uh, single-handedly, me and him, really. Um, And we had great fun doing it. And and we made a few quid along the way, you know. So as far as the influence is concerned, there's lots of them. Eubank had a certain influence, Christopher Livingstone, but had no financial control, so I went bust. I paid him 14 million quid, and he went bankrupt quite quickly. That's quite an achievement to get through <laughs> that. You know? It takes <laughs> a lot of effort to get through 14 million quickly. Um, but everyone's got strengths and weaknesses, so it's not one particular person. Sorry, that's done your. Where did I get involved with Snooker? Yes, is that the question? I was about to ask that. I'm going to ask something else now. Oh, well, that's cheating because I fast tracked your question. Go on, go <laughs> Yeah. I'm going to ask which is your favourite sport of mine? Now, I don't have a favourite. I only do sports I'm passionate about. I don't do it. I make a lot of money, I don't do it for the money. I do it because I love the passion of the sport. So I like fishing, I like 10 bowling, I like ping pong, I like uh, I like basketball, I like netball. I used to watch my wife play, I love gymnastics. So anything I have a flavour for. I don't see it like tennis, and I don't see it like motorsport, I don't touch it. Because when you're in this business, you're, it, you're actually being yourself. You know, and you can't do a good job unless you really care about it. But what I love to see, my real strength is I love to see people changing their life through sport, whatever sport. Boxing is the hardest sport because you get down. You know, I tried it. I wasn't very good. But I was useless. So I got injured quite early, which was great because it kept me beautiful. Um, <laughs> uh, but I love success stories. You know, I'm a softy, really. I mean, I cry at Lassie Field. You know, but I love stories with a happy ending. And I like sports stories especially because people sacrifice their life to be good at sport and they do it in a way that entertains us. So our obligation, my obligation, is to make sure their life changes through sport because of what they've put into it, what they've committed. And I was, I've tried everything. And honestly, I promise you, I am gold medal material in passion, enthusiasm. I'm not even bronze in ability. And it's been, so I had to be a promoter rather than an athlete, but I'm jealous. They're my heroes. And I love, so I'll give you one story. Little kid turns up from Ghana. I don't think he can even speak English. Comes over on a boat, doesn't know he's got nothing. Goes into the East End, mixes with some bad people, but makes a living, ducking and diving. He's five foot tall. After a couple of years, he's gonna, you know, it's only a matter of time before he gets arrested or shot takes up boxing, ends up being quite a decent flyweight. Not great, but decent. He wins the British title, he wins the, uh, the Commonwealth title, and he gets beat twice in world title fights. He saves every single penny he earned. So that, and then he retires. Today, he, is the, he, he spent, he only earned about 100,000 pounds in his total career, boxing. He saved it all, and he bought a bit of land in Norfolk. Today, His name is Francis Ampoufou. He is the largest egg supplier to Marks and
1: Spencers. (laughs) (laughs) And he's got
2: a mansion, and he's got a big shop, and he makes a bundle of money. And he learned the discipline. You see, if people can go into business with the same attitude as, it's actually a spool. What do we do? How do we get good at sport? We get the basics right first, don't we? We get the education. We put the effort in, we dedicate our lives, we, we, we don't make compromise, we don't take the easy route, we don't cheat. You can take that and put it into business. You're gonna be difficult to be. going will be very, very difficult. So therefore you have to treat it like a game. Now I make ridiculous amounts of money. Don't ask me why, God just smiled at me. But it doesn't matter, it's a game. So every year I wanna make more. Now, that's not because I'm a greedy bastard, because honestly, I don't know what to spend my money on now anyway. I'm 74, what's the point? You know, if I could buy 10 years, I'd pay a lot of money. (laughs) But you can't. So I treat it as a game. And I install in my children the same rule. So my son, Eddie, would not leave 10 quid on this table. Because it's a game. He's got to be his dad. And he's and he's doing a bloody good job at it as well, but you know if you can make it into a into a sporting concept, business is about winning, and we all want to win. But it's also about learning from losing because you won't win every battle, and you don't win every battle in business. You just want to win more than you lose. But think about it. Next, go. No, young lady. Uh, you cover a bit of it. Um, what What would you say is your worst deal? and what you've learned from it, and uh, how did you bounce back? How did you encourage yourself to bounce back from that? I'm gonna change that around, and tell you what my best deal was, because it's also a worse time. So I made a shed load of money in 1982, I was gonna retire, 34, started doing events because I saw the future, I saw these American TV stations, or TV stations coming over to do more sport, which we didn't have at the time. So I started getting in position, I had an events because I knew there was going to be a, sh- a shortfall in the market. Supply, supply and demand, basic business rule. Um, but I went too early. So I'm now I'm losing millions. So all the money I made in '82, basically gone. Mm. Borrowed money, I owe the bank millions. You know, even a, an optimist like me was bad time. So when did you get that bit of luck? How did you get out of stuff when you're in this shit? So it's 15% interest. Owed a bank, I don't know, three or four million quid, which is a lot of money in those days. And I'm giving up. I'm close. I'm really close. It's like a championship round box, boxing match. If you want to relate it to boxing. Championship rounds, nine, 10, 11, 12. I'm in round 11. I'm getting battered. And I don't really fancy coming out for round 12. But I'm a pro. So I'm going to give it a go because I'm a tryer. So I go to see the chief executive of Trust House Forces Hotels. And they're in Slough and it's Christmas Eve. Christmas bloody Eve. It's like a Dickens story. I get off the train at Slough, it starts to snow. And I trudge towards this office. My heart's not in it. I'm battered. I'm battered. Pride only is keeping me going. And I go and see the chief executive. His name, funnily enough, was Alan Hearn. No relation. Just happened to be called Alan Hearn. And he sat down and he said well what, what have you got for me i made the worst pitch i had this event called premier snooker league started at the end of january and i needed 300 grand and i didn't have any money it was all gone no one's going to give me any more and i'm thinking to myself you know what i could go back to i'll go back to Charlie the i can still get a job i'm not going to starve but it's a bit of a kick in the bollocks when you've made all this money and lost it all i said well i've got this i made a terrible pitch and at the end of 10 minutes, I thought, I oh, know this is not going well. And he said, well, he said, it's a nice event. He says, but I've got no money. I thought, that's it. <laughs> I've come all the way over here. End of my life. Schmuck. <laughs> so I thought, do you know what? You, you, you've, got to, you've got to have something about you. So I thought, go out like a proper bloke. So I said, Mr. Hearn, I understand that. And let me wish you and your family a happy Christmas and a great New Year. Look after mm-hmm. yourself. And I turned around to walk out of the office. He said, but I do have hotel rooms. I said, what do you mean? He went, well, I've got no money. I said, no, you've already said that. He said, well, I've got hotel rooms. Now, in those days, Trust House 40 had Sandy Lane, Barbados, Jean Sank in Paris, Waldorf in London, Plaza Athene in New York, finest hotels in the world. He said, I'll give you £300,000 of hotel rooms because I can't give you any money. And we shook hands. By the time I'd walked from his office back to Slough Station, I'd knocked him out to make some money in the travel business on a 40% discount. Took 180 grand in net cash. That 180 grand saved my business and saved my life. And you know, it's amazing. And it, more importantly, it restored the faith in myself. If you understand that. Now, when you're on the floor and you start feeling sorry for yourself, that's a killer. We don't have the right to be sorry for ourselves. There's millions of people worse off than us. Whatever happens to us, we're chosen people. We're lucky people. Sometimes we don't remember that. That day convinced me in a modest, low-key manner that I was special. And it's, that has never left me from that day. Right, quick one, we're going uh, on.
0: Following on from that
2: barrier, do you think that, so I'm not, I think I'm loud as yeah, well, um, yeah. even though I don't know. Following on from that, do you think that getting so close to the wire made you so bloody determined this is yeah. never going to happen again? Yeah. Do you know what, from the I moment that. that started, from the moment within a, a few months Sky launched, I was straight in there, blah, 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 and so on. I said, I'm never borrowing a penny from the bank again the rest of my life well done my cash flow has always been super positive ever since i'm going to pay back what i owe. i'm never going to knock anybody i'm never i had sponsors going bust and people said to me all you have to say like super players just tell them the sponsors gone bust and pay 50 everyone will be fine I said and doesn't work like that i pay 100 and it's not it's not a choice not being clever don't be clever don't surround yourself with people that what i call fur coat no knickers <laughs> the flash boys the flash boys have got always oh, I've got this on their old shoulders go and you sit take off the fur coat all they've got is no knickers so you know be yourself be true to yourself and it does it changed my world and I ran a proper business from that stage on and the principles are perhaps a little bit slower growth than the flash boys but I built sustainable growth like I built a house and the foundations were proper. You have the foundations, your roof's not going to drop on its own. You know, you build it properly. Couple more, we're we going. <laughs> Quick, young man. We, want, we, got, we, got, yeah, we don't really need the mic. Go on, the
0: chat. Um, so what do you want to achieve with the rest of
2: your time here?
1: <laughs>
0: the few months you've
2: got left, Barry, what do you want to <laughs> achieve in your life? Who knows, who knows? Uh, Right. Well, listen. I, I've had two centuries. I got twenty against Surrey on Thursday. I was. I got bowled by an absolute perma to be perfectly Bastard. <laughs> I'm on stage three. It's interesting. It's a good question because I'm on stage three. My last complaint. I've got everything I want. I love my family. Everything. You know, I always say life ends in tears, doesn't it? So you might as well enjoy the bit before, because you can't affect the end bit. Um, I'm on category three. I'm. I'm looking at where I came from, I'm looking at the community I came from, and I'm looking about paying back something. So we've started, which we don't advertise, we don't publicise, we started a Matroom charitable trust, and we support, at the moment, six children's auspices. Mm-hmm. And it's good. <laughs> right, next one, this one there, shout out. Uh, what advice would you give your 29-year-old
0: self
2: don't trust anybody. You know, I've only been hurt by people. I've never been hurt by business losses, and profits because sometimes it's out of your control. And I got very cynical. I, I, you know, some people that I trusted, true out not to be worth trusting. So, in other words, it made me a bit more reticent to be all in with people. And I know it sounds horrible, but I'm, I'm better off now. I don't, I, I was automatically so trusting. You know, I would believe anybody and do anything for anybody. I try and keep some good parts, but I'm a bit more selective than I used to be. And unfortunately in life, that's not such bad advice. We've got one more. I've got to go. I've got to get a training master. Who, who, who's been here? In- Warren Buffett. Yeah, yeah brilliant. Uh, I mean, I always recommend reading Warren Buffett stories. There's, there's a man that, that has led a very anorak life. The genius, obviously, and, and analyzed his business situation so well relies on cash flow massively and management, key management. So in my business, if you look at my business, my second-in-command behind Eddie on boxing, is a kid that joined us when he was 16, doing coffees and pizzas for poker players, All right? He's now my, these are huge, these uh, are very successful boys. My, my head of darts, I, I took from the Walthamstow Gazette, who was reporting on uh, late Norton matches, but a very smart kid, brought him into the football club and then eventually made him chief executive of darts. Another, you know, the stories, I like to grow talent. I don't buy, I don't buy talent because I'm buying stuff that's already failed because if they hadn't failed, they wouldn't be available to me. Does that make sense? You know, you look and people say, well, why should I give you a job? You know, you've had five jobs. And by the way, most people who are good do it themselves. If they're super good, They don't even work for someone. So commercial directors, tough position. Tough position. Because if you're any good, what the fuck are you doing working for me? (laughs) (laughs) You should be making a fortune working for yourself, shouldn't you? Common sense. So Warren Buffett is an inspiration. I love the fact that, again, when I said there's three, there's actually five stages. The third one that I'm on is a bit more community and family thing. But the fourth one is looking after your country. The fifth one is looking after your world. Now, Warren Buffett... Never gave away a penny of his, make like billions. Never gave away one penny. Never even thought that. He was so focused on business, business, business. And his wife was a wonderful girl. His wife left him because he was so single-minded. And she actually delivered a woman to him, her friend, to say, cook Warren soup every night. Because he won't look after himself. We're just working on figures and all that. It's a true story. And he eventually, his wife died of cancer. She moved to Los Angeles, but she, be, she became very charitable and she did lots of wonderful things. So <laughs> when Warren realised that she died and he realised what she'd done, he phoned Bill Gates up and said, you're still doing your charitable foundation around the world? And Gates said, yes. He said, well, I'd like to give you some money. Bill Gates said to Warren Buffett, You don't give money to charity. Everyone knows you don't give money. Well, I know. He said, but thinking about my wife and what she did in her lifetime, I think I should. And he gave him $30 billion. That's a true story. And he's an amazing man. But he still hasn't really enjoyed himself as much, I think, as I do. (laughs) And seeing you lot here today, I wish, seriously wish, we had another couple of hours and we could go on, talk this rubbish about everything, because there is so many things that, not saying I can help you, actually a lot of the questions help me, if you understand that, because we all have to evaluate ourselves before we meet our maker. And sometimes you're better off listening to third parties and, and seeing the world from perhaps a different perspective. And uh, I've enjoyed meeting you all. Thank you very much for job. Yeah.
1: Okay. Thank you, Barry you yeah,